archaeology is the search for facts, not truth. Welcome to Franchise Fan Guys. This is our third episode on the Indiana Jones franchise. I'm Tom Breithogel, joined with Andy Schmidt and Skidmar. How about you guys introduce yourselves? Andy? Uh, hi, I'm Andy Schmidt. I work in, uh, in the entertainment industry, and I'm a, a writer and an educator. Uh, and I am much more well-rested now than I was in our previous episode. <laughs> I'm Skidmar, and what am I, in trouble? I only had a few minutes to think of something. And I, I don't know. I love that line, though, in the movie. The government's like, what am I, in trouble? That's awesome. These movies are great. Franchise fan guys. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was the second film in the series. Belloc was a great foil for Indy in the first film, but how does Mola Ram compare and contrast? How about the villains in Last Crusade and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? What do you think, Skid? Sorry, what? <laughs> I, sorry, what's the question? <laughs> you go ahead then, Andy. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about Skid. We're talking about villains in the movies. And oh, how they all them. Compare. Yeah. yeah oh, I've heard of villains. them. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. What's interesting to me about Belloc as the villain in the first one is... Belloc does not feel cartoony to me ever. He is treated pretty straightforward, pretty seriously from the first time you meet him to the end when he, when he, when he goes away. Um, other characters in that film are more cartoony and stereotyped and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and whereas I don't feel like any of the villains in, in any of the subsequent films kind of rise to that level of of how seriously i take them um with a the one that comes closest is in the last crusade the guy that's actually kind of funding you know all the expeditions and all that stuff i forget that character's name right now but he is treated fairly seriously throughout but he's not a he's not a particularly a great foil for Indiana Jones the way that Belloc is. Belloc, you know, there's that there's a great conversation in the in the 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 bar scene basically or the the restaurant scene where you know Belloc is talking about Indiana Jones and how they're the they're the you know flip side of the same coin all that type of type of stuff. So great when when you have those convers you can when you can legitimately have those conversations. Um, with with the villain and the hero but so for me belloc is phenomenal to indiana jones whereas mola ram and the characters in crusade and crystal skull are great movie villains but they're not super interesting in the way that they relate specifically to the character i think that yeah the villains are incredibly strong in Raiders. I think Tolt and Belloc are both strong in their own right. They're both different from each other. And yeah, Belloc being a shadowy reflection of, of Indiana Jones. I mean, that's the perfect sort of villain for a hero. And when you can have that archetype make sense in the story, at which they do, that's gold right there. And Toad is a 
super scary SS guy. Like that's that's awesome. He's he's creepy. He's twisted. I remember <laughs> that's how I saw Indiana Jones. The first time I remember seeing it was at the drive-in theater with my cousin Alyssa. And I the one thing I remember from that experience is her when he came up on screen. He's just like, look at those wire rim glasses. Typical Nazi. <laughs> It's like whenever I see wire of glasses, I just think of Nazis now. So, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. She was 11. I don't know why she said that. But it was, yeah, there's just, there's the villain. Those villains are so good. And then the the minor villains in the movies are also distinctive. They all have their own really cool, interesting characters about them. Like the aircraft mechanic who he has a fist fight with at the airfield like that guy you know you know who that guy is like you get a second of looking at that guy and you know everything about him that you need to know it's like the big mustache big burly guy like he sees harrison Ford. he's like all right takes his shirt off he's just like ah, ah, you know i like guys, guys like that the the henchman in nepal that they that they bring in that that tote brings in like each one of those guys like has their own character like they don't even have any lines and like i can each one of them seems to be like fully fleshed out and distinct and and yeah and i i and this is something that's not quite as true in the following movies it's not as true but i do think mola ram man amrish puri that is a phenomenal performance. I think he's great. I, he might be my favorite villain in a vacuum for Indiana Jones. Like, I think he's phenomenal. And I think he's the most memorable. Yeah, just yeah. leaving an impression. Yeah. And just that the stones will survive, Dr. Jones. You won't. It's one of my favorite line readings in the whole franchise. It's phenomenal. What, you were talking about uh, Tote, and he's got one of my favorite line readings in the entire franchise. With we, we are not thirsty, <laughs> because like you just instantly know how creepy twisted. and evil this guy and twisted this guy is, and all he said is he isn't thirsty. Like we like, are how do you not deliver? Thirsty. How do you deliver the line? We are not thirsty, and and imbue that much creepiness into it. It's, <laughs> amazing it is really amazing really fantastic he says i'll tell you everything yes yeah i know you will oh i re- so I good. really like uh i really like uh uh is it ilsa is that right in the in last crusade allison duty i think she is phenomenal and she's a really good villain in that movie because she is also unlike and uses very different tactics, obviously, than previous villains. So she, to me, she really stands out, and she brought something new, and she managed to create even more tension between the father and the son. So so in that respect, I feel like that character, not at all in the same way as Belloc, but but actually did impact on on the two characters that that movie is really about so i would argue that she's she's also you know quite good mm-hmm. you're right in a vacuum mola ram is is i mean that is one scary dude yeah but yeah I'd, I'd, i would i think she's really good and a little bit overlooked i think in why last crusade is as good as it is both i, I mean both are as an actress and her performance in that role, but also for the character and the way the character is written and what that character brings out in Indiana Jones and Henry Jones. Yeah, that was a new approach to creating a villain, just uh, a femme fatale. Like, that wasn't something you had seen in Indiana Jones yet. So 
So that was cool. Also, I don't want to, I, I don't want to forget Lao Che. In Temple I was of thinking Doom. that too. I'm glad you're bringing it yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. He's yeah, like just 15 minutes. He's he's awesome. Like him and his his brothers. Uh, that's that's that that is a great scene. Like that great little uh, what do you call that? This little opening overture or whatever. The cold open. Yeah. Yeah. The I mean, cold it's, open. It's more, it's more than a cold open, but but it, yeah. it is a cold open. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just, yeah, and again, like, that's all, that's all he's in the movie. In fact, you don't even know his name until the last, like, 15 seconds he's on screen. It's like, nice try, Lao Che. And he closes the door, and it's Lao Che Airlines. It's like, oh, that's great. And, oh, wait, was that Dan Aykroyd? It's like, I don't even care anymore. I caught that for the first time ever on this watch. Oh, really? I had no idea that was Dan Aykroyd. And then he, yeah. and then he talks for two seconds, and I'm like... That's got to be Dan Aykroyd. Like, I yeah. just completely recognize that voice. I'm like, why is Dan Aykroyd? <laughs> yeah, why is Dan Aykroyd in this? <laughs> it's so and weird because he's got an English accent and, and everything. I looked it up and I'm like, I'll be darned. There's Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> right. I didn't catch that. Yeah. 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 He, he is the guy that, that opens the door for Indiana Jones from his car and puts him in the airplane. Yep. And that's it. And he and he has like two or three lines in a in in a Dan Aykroyd British accent. And you yeah. have now that you know that it's Dan Aykroyd. If you go back and watch that, yeah. you'll be like, oh, yep, that's Dan Aykroyd, because <laughs> his because his intonation is so distinctive. Yes, yes. Lao Che to me, like I kind of wanted to see a mo- like a full movie about Lao mm-hmm. Che, like and and him being the villain because like he seemed like they could have done more with him, and and it had been really compelling. I liked what we got. But I, mm-hmm. but I, I would have been happy seeing more. Yeah, I could watch that whole story of him finding what was the name of the mummy that he found. Uh, I forget. I but forget. The, yeah, just that whole story of him finding those remains. I, I would watch that movie, like him in like 1933, Shanghai. Yeah. Like that's that's that would be awesome. I also really like the, and I, I don't know that villain is necessarily the right w- word, but the villain, I don't know that, I don't think they do give him a name in Last Crusade, in, in the cold open there, where it's the guy that looks like Indiana Jones, and, it, oh, and, that and he guy. gets away as a kid, like, yeah. uh, like, I don't necessarily need a whole movie about that guy, but again, th- th- really compelling, and really compelling because of how those characters you know what they represent and what they have to do with Indiana Jones later, as opposed to just being complete throwaways. But you know that whole like it belongs in a museum and all that sort of stuff that carries through for the rest of the picture. So it's not just a throwaway, you know, exciting but like throwaway sort of thing. So I think that's really um, that's kind of impressive too. Even with these, even with the, the the villains that only are there for fifteen minutes, they still have an impact, and you feel like there's more story to tell there. Yeah, that guy, that character is really interesting from the opening of Last Crusade, the, the archaeologist, because you can see, like, this is who Indiana Jones ends up modeling himself after. Like, he sees this guy, and he sees something to pattern himself after. And But he becomes a better version of that guy. Like, that guy is clearly just doing these things for the money. And he sees something of himself in young Indiana Jones. He gives him the hat. You know, and then also like the guy who the character, I can't remember his name, who hired that guy in the white suit is so great, too. And just that little moment of him, like seeing him out by the car with his cane. 
Just that's just like, again, that distinctive look. And then seeing him again 20 years later, that's a great moment. So Temple of Doom was a massive box office success, but did it help the franchise or hurt it? Andy? I don't, I would not say that it hurt the franchise. I would say that it did expand the franchise in some ways. Like I said, not using Christianity, not using Nazis. It expanded the, it expanded Indiana Jones from a franchise perspective out to encompass more. So it expanded sort of the story world of Indiana Jones, which I think is really great. Where it went a little off the rails and, and, you know, I'm not saying anything that's, that's new here is that it just tonally went. It's not even that it went too dark, though it is the darkest of the bunch, I think. And it was Kasdan that, that said this, that it, that it felt mean-spirited. Uh, and I was going to say mean-spirited. That was going to be... Yeah. I mean, there's there's some also, there's some, you know, stuff that hasn't aged well, certainly in terms of casting. And, you know, the, that film is, I believe, to this day, like banned in India for its very poor stereotypes. I can argue that that's all not great, which I would agree with. But... From a franchise perspective, I think the thing is that it just went tonally into this mean space. And I was very grateful that even though it was a success, that Spielberg and Lucas kind of, and they they both have talked about this too, that they realized that that was not the way to go and managed to turn the corner and I think kind of right the ship tonally going into the next one. So overall, I don't think it hurt the franchise. I think it actually helped in expanding the story world of Indiana Jones, but went off in the, in the wrong direction elsewhere. Yeah, it has a mean-spirited tone. I would agree with Lawrence Kasdan on that. And there are things about it that, yeah, it does expand the universe. One of the things that I like is that we were talking about the Judeo-Christian or Judo-Christian <laughs> leanings or something. <laughs> depending on how violent you want to be but (laughs) i like that they take they say because you are tom you're right it's like they imply that god they say god is real like in the first one so it's like oh well i i if that happened to me i'd be like well guess i gotta be super religious now because god is real this has been proven to me i saw him kill nazis but in this in this in temple of doom they say that their other religions are real too or at least magic is real so it expands the universe in that way which i really appreciate you say like not all magic is just god doing stuff in the world it can be it can come from other sources like that that was huge i think it was focusing so much on gross out stuff in temple of doom seems in retrospect like a mistake i think i think that last crusade had a little bit to recover from based on some of the stuff in this movie and also we we've touched on i think spielberg and lucas were both going through difficult personal times creating this movie i think a a lot of it based around the relationship they're having in the lives with women and i think that that might be reflected in the character of willie she is so she really suffers in comparison to karen allen's character in raiders she's super annoying (laughs) she's like she's she's shrill she she does she does nothing to help indiana jones at any point she's all she does is complain and it's watching it through that lens it's just a little cringy (laughs) is for me 
And because yeah. Kate Capshaw is awesome. Like she's, she's amazing. But that character leaves a lot to be desired as far as a love interest for Indiana Jones. I think that there were some missteps, but I think that they were able to course correct. I don't think the franchise generally suffered, though. I mean, that's, that's the thing. This film did well. Subsequent film did well. So, I don't know. What do I do? Wear your jewels to bed, princess? Yeah. And nothing else. Shock you? Nothing shocks me. I'm a scientist. Well, Last Crusade seems almost safe compared to Temple of Doom, like a return to more fun, and many people think it's their favorite film. But what does it offer that's more than just a return? Well, um, I think I think it offers his dad. Um, the relationship between Indiana Jones and his dad is really fresh and new. I mentioned earlier, I think the 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 villains are, are fairly compelling here and, and help keep their relationship uh, in the forefront, even throughout all the, all the hijinks and the adventures and all that sort of stuff. Cause it is, it's a, it's a return to Nazis. It's a return to Judeo Christian iconography and, and legends and whatnot. It's such a return. It's a return tonally, but bringing his dad in, it's one of those things that like, I don't question it at all when I watch that movie, but like, I can't think of any other franchise where it's like okay well let's bring let's bring in their parents like (laughs) you know it's so often the other way right it's like oh they and now they've got a kid Mm. and you got to deal with that or it's a love interest but the the relationship between indiana jones and his dad is so great and they are so fun to watch and they are so funny together and and (laughs) the way Henry Jones, the dad, is written is so compelling that even though I know that that guy basically sat and read for his entire life, I would still want to see what that was like. Like the the the, the relationship is so bizarre, but it's so good and it's so believable. And I think one of the things that that I like about it so much is that what makes it really, really compelling and like relatable is how similar those characters are. And how different they are mm-hmm. because they're so different in what they spend their day doing, right? One has his nose in a book the whole time and the other one is out punching Nazis where, but they, but they both have this love for history and antiquity and the mystery, you know, all of the excitement that they get out of these things. And so it's so perfectly conceived that they're identical and so polar opposites at the same time that I completely find them believable and relatable, even in all of this outrageous adventure that they're going on. And I think that's huge and fresh. Yeah. I, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think... I really love the opening scene in Last Crusade, the flashback, for a lot of reasons. One, it's River Phoenix, which this is one of the last movies that he did. Well, actually, he was still alive for a few more years, but this is one of the few movies that he did before he died at a young age. And, and River Phoenix, I don't know about you guys, but River Phoenix was the first celebrity my age that I remember dying young. I think every generation like has that guy, like it's James Dean or whatever, but like River Phoenix was that guy for me and a lot of people of my generation, I think. Yeah, I think that's I think that was true for me. I mean I'm yeah. a little younger than you, but but yeah, yeah, I think that was true for me. He was the first one that I really remember and being like, yeah. Oh like really I think the one that hit me the hardest was Brandon Lee, honestly. Because mm. I'm a martial arts movie fan. 
And I felt like he was the future of martial arts movies. Like he was the one that was going to sort of change the way that they looked and felt and all that sort of stuff. And so I was super excited. And then when The Crow came out, I thought he was awesome. But yeah, River Phoenix was the first one I remember for sure. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, who is, who is it for you, Tom? Probably Heath Ledger. He's a little, oh, a few yeah. years older than me. But yeah, that's when I was in my early 20s when that happened. Yeah. yeah. So it's watching it in retrospect now, just the amount of promise that this guy had. And I was just watching Sneakers, too, the other night. Uh, a favorite of mine. And he's so movie. good. In, oh, I love him in that. Great movie. He, he fits that role. Like, he's one of the few people you could say, like, you can be Indiana Jones at 17 or whatever. You'll, you'll, you'll do. That's great. I love seeing a different era of time with Indiana Jones in it. I love seeing it's, is it New Mexico? It's Arizona, right? It's Arizona. I think it's Arizona. That opening scene. Yeah, so it's like Arizona, like right turn of the century. Like that's basically the frontier still. That's so close to the frontier era and and the frontier itself. And so you're, just, you're still, you're just right on the verge of a new America. And there's Indiana Jones right there. And I just love watching his just the seed of his personality takes shape. And then, yeah, the relationship that he has with his dad, how different they are, but how they're both obsessive, but like, but his father is like super prim and Indy is so rowdy. It's just such a great contrast. <laughs> My favorite scene of the movie is when they're being held, they're tied up in the castle and the Nazis come in and Indy gets his hands on a MP4 and a machine gun and like mows them all down. It's like, don't call me Junior. <laughs> and it's, I was like, look what you did. <laughs> I can't believe what you did. <laughs> that's so great. I think that's the like, contrast of their characters right there. That moment is so beautiful. I love that. Well, and their, and their relationship is captured so perfectly right before that when when uh his dad hits him over the head with a vase and then is much more concerned with the broken right. antique vase than with yeah. his son's head and then and then and then, and then, and then Jones is so like baffled as to why his dad would hit him over the head because he's like i thought he's like i thought you were one of them he's like they used the door it is great and like it's so easy you could just so miss that but at the same time it totally fits with both of those characters like it's so the, the relationship is so quickly defined yeah as as economically the yes economically, so economically defined yeah. so beautiful so, yeah so well done yeah i never expected to see you again i'm like a bad penny i always turn up so after Crusade, it was 19 years before Kingdom of the Crystal Skull arrived in theaters. It was a box office success, but it wasn't received well by audiences. What do you think went wrong? Why do you think this film is so disliked? Well, can't discount the Shia LaBeouf factor. And I, I don't really know where, where, when we as a society turned on Shia LaBeouf. I'm not sure at what point that took place. After Holes, he was in that movie Holes. Was like he's really good. That's a good actor. The Holes was really good. Yeah. Good movie. I I enjoyed that movie. 
And then I don't know what else he did. Did he go crazy? Is that the thing? Was it was he personally mm-hmm. annoying yeah, in public? Went, was that what happened? On, he went a little nuts. He had some some uh, some alcohol troubles. He flipped his car over, broke his hand. Uh, that was not good. He um, yeah he he went off the rails. He he went through a tough time. I'm assuming. Yeah, he went to jail, and then he wrote that movie Honey Boy. Did you guys see that movie? I I haven't seen it. I meant to see it. I still haven't seen it. What, wrote, have you seen it? it? Yeah, he wrote it and oh. stars in it. It's about yeah. his life. It's, and then it's you're semi-autobiographical. Like, oh. Yeah, so you see he had a really messed up childhood, but then since then, he's also kind of messed up. Uh, so I think he's kind of done now. I don't know. I, I liked Honey Boy a lot, but... It's sad now. You can't get, like, three uh, get-out-of-jail-free cards. Mm. Yeah, I think Honey Boy did rehabilitate him, at least within Hollywood. He's still getting a lot of roles. He starred in the Peanut Butter Falcon, which was quite good. He's he's clearly a talented actor. Like, he's, he's quite good. But, yeah, he kind of messed up off-camera, it seems, and... Well, that's interesting, because how would we view his performance if it weren't for his personal life? Because... Well, go ahead. Well, I, I just don't know. I, it's so hard now to separate the two because everyone turned against him and everyone started bad-mouthing him and bad-mouthing his performance. And it was like he got everybody to turn on him at a pretty early age, too. So he wasn't able to establish himself as a respected performer first and then go crazy. Where it was just like, yeah, but his early stuff, like uh, Tom Sizemore, maybe. It's like we, we can look at his early stuff as just like, oh, it's so really good. But it was just like he so quickly established himself as this unlikable person that it tainted all of his projects too. I don't know if, how big a part of it that is. Um, I don't. I, I I don't think that was a huge part of Crystal Skull. I think that was all kind of happening. I I also think he suffered quite a bit from from overexposure really fast. Like that's it was true like, too. It was Hollywood yeah. just sort of decided he is the next big star and and you know this happens in hollywood quite often um and often you know those those actors and actresses are are quite good and maybe it's a combination of not great roles or it's just you just you see them too much and you're like i'm ready to watch someone different i think that was kind of part of it too but at the end of the day i just i did not find his character particularly compelling there are parts of his performance that i like i just don't find his character all that interesting like once you realize that he is Indiana Jones's son. What else is there to that character? He's he okay. He carries a knife. He's a greaser. Okay. Next. What else? What right. else you got? <laughs> and that's really it. He's 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 a fairly vapid character that we're supposed yeah. to care about because he's Indiana Jones's son. And it just it's not. Uh, I don't know. It just it just that just didn't really click with me. But it didn't it didn't not click with me because it was Shia LaBeouf. I think well. Yeah, I think it's an interesting contrast with what happened in Last Crusade because they're introducing a family member in both of these movies. And it went so well in Last Crusade, went so poorly in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I was just going to say, there's none of that economy stuff. Like, you, yeah, you, right. you build up this, this kid and his mother, and there's some sort of mystery about that, and then Marion shows up, and and that's actually kind of a good bit when, when he's like, your your mother is Marion, and there's there's that. But then this film suffers from having a lot of scenes that go nowhere. Like, <laughs> in the end, like, the whole... And, and don't get me wrong, I love 
that they spend 10 or 15 minutes on Indiana Jones surviving a nuclear blast for no reason other than they get a good punchline out of it like five minutes later. Like that whole yeah. sequence, it, it only exists. This massive and special effects ridden sequence, no less, like expensive sequence exists just so that he can say like, what am I being held for other than surviving a nuclear blast? Like, <laughs> Okay, like you you earned that punchline, I guess. Uh, but but it go, it really goes you know it goes it, it really goes nowhere. It has nothing to do with anything. And even in the scene where you find out that that's that Shia LaBeouf is his son goes nowhere. They are escaping. They get caught in what's not quicksand. And then you know when they think they're about to die, then she's like, "You should know that's your son." And then he's like. Okay, and then they get captured again, and they're back where they started. That scene goes nowhere, and there are several bits like that. And so, and I and I feel like that's kind of like a metaphor for the whole film. I feel like that film kind of starts and stops, and kind of goes meanders around, and there's good bits here and there, and it, but it ultimately goes nowhere. Like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's so much, and we talked about this, so I won't relitigate it, but so much in how that character grows going from a non-believer to a believer, but in a kind of a believable way. And, and there's like a learning and a growth of the character and all that sort of stuff. And none of that is in Crystal Skull. Like the, the Crystal Skull and the fact that, you know, aliens were on Earth, like none of that seems to mean anything. Like, it doesn't seem to matter, really. And then, you know, there's the whole thing about the mental powers. Like, okay, that could have been interesting, but it went nowhere. Like, you've got this villain that's that's studying ESP and, you know, maybe telepathy and telekinesis and all this sort of stuff. But that goes nowhere. She's just evil. I feel like even his relationship with Marion kind of goes nowhere. They, they show up, they argue for five seconds, then they're on the same page, and then they're married at the end. Like, there, there's no drama in that. And I, I love, you know, Karen Allen as Marion, but it just it just felt very, like, it just kept circling back in on itself and, and didn't really know what it wanted to be. Yeah, I think, too, I understand talking about it now, the logic, but having it aliens rather than something religious, because that's one of the elements that you have in the other movies is him starting as a non-believer and dismissive of some of this stuff and learning that, oh, wait, this is actually real. That's one of the things that happens in these. And so you've kind of done all the supernatural stuff. Like at this point in his career, nothing supernatural should surprise him. Supernatural in that way. So aliens potentially theoretically is something new that he could say like oh that's not, that's ridiculous and then find out it's like oh it's real and you know have, have an arc that way so i i get that but yeah it, you're right it's just like there the economy's not there there's just a lot of pointlessness and it's a shame too because like this is also like one of the deepest casts uh, I think this might be the best all-around casts of all the movies because you've got Kate Blanchett, you've got Karen Allen coming back out, Ray Winston, John, John Hurt, Hurt is in it yeah. for like five minutes, Jim Broadbent <laughs> is in it, so it's it feels like a little bit of a waste. And I think you're right. If I think Indiana Jones for me functions best with some kind of monolithic enemy to fight against the nazis like works best but stalinist russians is a would be a close second and that seems kind of squandered too in this 
Yeah, they just seem so. like, I mean, they even they even look like Nazis. I mean, I mean, I, I guess they wore green Close enough. also, but like Close enough. They 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 really just feel very much like the, you know, the the Nazis from the other two movies. So it, it, yeah, that that's a little strange, but yeah, like, you know, the red the red menace could have worked, but would have been nice if you'd played them a little bit differently. Mhm. Um, you know, which is which is kind of interesting to say because in neither Raiders of the Lost Ark nor Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade do you at all really find out why Nazis are bad. Like they're they're, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I mean, they don't go into the Holocaust. They don't really even go into World War II because they uh, at least it takes, one, place takes place World before World War II. World War II. Yeah, it hasn't happened. So like, it's just assumed that they're that they're not good people. Um, well, they do say there is the one line. It's just like, I'm not comfortable with this Jewish ritual. That's the one, yeah, like hint, you know. But yeah, right. But but they but they. My point being, they don't go into like what specifically the Nazis are are after, other than the Ark or the Cup of mm-hmm. Christ. You know, like they don't go into why Nazis are bad in any kind of in depth thing. And then they they do the same thing. They don't really go into why the Russians were. You know why was that such a bad thing in the nineteen you know fifties or or whatever? So it's kind of interesting that the approach is consistent, and yet in this this one, like I want them to take the time you know to to make them different from the previous villains. But that's because yeah, we've we've had we've had two movies with villains just like this. Yeah, I think for me that's why I would have liked to see it skew a little more political and kind of move away from sort of the physicality, the crazy set pieces and stunts and make it more political, make it more about the, the, the cold war and the struggle with the, the Soviet union that, that I, I don't know, maybe that's just the kind of movie I want, but I would have liked to see that. Yeah. I, and I also just think the road they took, the inroad they took into the aliens and the science fiction stuff was not maybe the, the best i mean it's an adventure it's yeah it starts off with adventure and i think we hit on this on the other episode but like you know i think roswell would have been great like doing more Mm -hmm. with roswell and and that's a pet peeve of mine too is the any implication that aliens helped ancient cultures build their architecture or form their societies or anything is really patronizing i think and i just and there's so many people legitimately believe it, and I think it's I think it's really dumb. So like anything that kind of implies that is is a huge turnoff for me, and that's certainly true in Crystal Skull. You loved the first Aliens versus Predator, though. Just for <laughs> oh, oh well, now that you remind me of how much I love, we both love that movie. <laughs> Man, just a strong, strong outing. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what do you, what do you think? I was kind of on board until the second you know, we find out he's his son, which I, everyone saw that coming. I don't think anyone was surprised. But then at that second, immediately, Indiana Jones, like, he doesn't even, like, try to process it. He's just like, he should have finished school. Like, it just becomes so unbelievable. From that point on, I was, like, laughing at the movie, and it just kept getting worse. Like, Shia LaBeouf uh, swinging with the monkeys. Like, I just couldn't believe it. I felt like I was on acid, and I was dreaming. (laughs) Like, 
That that scene was so bad. And Karen Allen, I really liked her coming back, but I don't know if they've ever done this. I really wish they wouldn't have put her name in the opening credits. I, I understand why mm. she would want that, but I was like, oh, so she's in it. And then I'm like, oh, so when he calls his mom Mary, I'm like, oh, that's Marion, because she was in the opening credits. So I think that was could have been a really cool reveal that uh, was lost on me. They don't they don't put Kevin Spacey's name in the opening credits of Seven. Oh, is that that's true? Good. I, yep. Oh wow! Never noticed. Turns out, Kevin, sure they uh, haven't Kevin. scrubbed it recently. <laughs> no, that was before. I was going to say, it turns out Kevin Spacey might be worse than the serial killer he played in. <laughs> yeah, in seven. the only person um, more monstrous than Kaiser Soze. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's but I, that's really interesting because you really pinpointed it there, and I and when you as soon as you said that, I was like, you're that's exactly how I felt, and I kind of had forgotten that. But yeah, the moment. That you find out that Shia LaBeouf is Indiana Jones's son definitively is pretty much the moment I checked out of that movie too, and I think it's because it, f- at least in part, it just felt so obvious, and I just yeah. think it would have been much more interesting. It would have been a much more interesting dynamic if he weren't, and I, I think that would feel truer to the character in the you know kind of what what's sort of implied with what happened with his relationship with Marion, he went away or I forget the, because they kind of go over a little bit in that movie about exactly why they split up and they were engaged, I think. And then they kind of broke it off and then she left. And then, and then this kid is born and she doesn't say anything. She doesn't send a letter like that. Like it all just, that all felt very like complicated and muddy to make this thing work. Whereas I think it would have been much more interesting if this kid had come to him because his mom said he's the guy to find. Turns out it's Marion. And it would have been more interesting if Indiana Jones like looks at the kid and is starting to wonder, is that my kid? And then is disappointed Mm. to find out it's not. And then they Mm. form a family. That'd have been way better. That's way more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I just don't think that that. I just yeah, it just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Is it forced? Does it feel forced to you guys? That might be part of it too. I'm not. Yeah, I definitely. I think it definitely feels forced. Yeah, I just all around. I think the writing in the second half of the movie is just so weak. Mm-hmm. And anything I want more of like aliens or Roswell or anything like that, you get less of anything I want less of you get more of from that point on. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. that's and it's, true. I did. It's, I got it. I did get enough of like man eating ants though. It's like the perfect <laughs> amount of man eating ants. Yeah. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, it's muddled and confusing. I mean, it's, it's feels forced and muddled and confusing. Which is yeah. not a great combo. No, I don't it's just know. too much going on, and it feels forced. I don't know much about Indiana Jones 5, other than it's filming. It's not directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, there's a little bit of Who's directing information. Um, it is, uh, oh man, his name just left. He directed Logan. Oh, James uh, Mangold. Yes, and he did Ford versus oh. Ferrari, which is a great movie also. Love uh, that movie. That movie's that so movie. good. Yeah. I love it. Um yeah, yeah, James Mangold's doing it, uh, which is which is exciting. Um, mm. uh, but as far as I could tell, you know, there was no there was no mention on 
the internet movie database of of Shia LaBeouf returning, um, <laughs> which is which you know I'm fine with. Sometimes you just you just gotta let something go that didn't work. Like yeah. just let it go and just don't don't bring it up again. I prefer that to them kind of trying to force it again and try and make it work later. Um, yeah, just put them away in a jar jar. <laughs> I've never heard that said. That's the new saying. That's where we're coining it here. Yeah, we just look we, for the t-shirts. Thanks for listening to Indiana Jones, episode three of four. Please write a review and give a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Tom Bryfogel and John Harvey. To connect, visit FranchiseFanGuys.com, at FranchiseFanGuys on Instagram, and at GuysFranchise on Twitter. See ya! FranchiseFanGuys.